What's good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 Blazers. My name is Orlando Sanchez, Jared Cowley on my right, Nate Hansen on my left, the one and only Max Barr on the ones and twos. Guys, Carmelo Anthony is now a member of the Portland Trail Blazers. We've got to witness his first game. Uh, there are injuries all over the place. How <laughs> Gasol is no longer on the roster anymore. I mean, this has been a crazy seven days, and now we have breaking news. Jared, break us off something proper. What is going on? So we need to give proper credit for this. I believe there were several reporters, Jason Quick, um, Help me out here. Jamie Goldberg, Goldberg with Jamie the Oregonian. Jamie Goldberg of the Oregonian. I think I saw something from Casey Holdall as well. They all reported that today after shoot-around, Damian Lillard did not participate in shoot-around. At the very end, he tried to put up a couple free throws, but he told reporters that he hopes to be able to play Saturday. He's already ruled out for tonight's game against the Milwaukee Bucks. As we know, he's dealing with back spasms. He also told reporters that he has been dealing with this since the second game they played against the Kings on this road trip, which was a loss. And if you go back to that game, you see the three games he played after that. That's the slump that we saw Damian Lillard have where, you know, against Toronto, his string of 250-something double-digit games was broken. He only scored nine points. And his shooting percentages in those three games since he hurt his back were terrible. And he obviously sat out the game, Carmelo's first game, against the the Pelicans, and he's not going to play tonight, but he says he hopes he'll be available to play Saturday against the Cavaliers. Also, Hassan Whiteside is questionable tonight, and he did not participate in shoot-around, so I don't think any of us expect him to play in tonight's game. And, and Anthony Simons is also questionable with a sprained ankle. So the injury-ravaged Blazers just continue to go down that path. I mean, for the Blazers, it's good news that that Dame hopes to be back on Saturday. Because honestly, without Damian Lillard, this team, talent-wise, is about as bad as you get in yep. the NBA. When they like that team they put out against New Orleans Pelicans on Tuesday night was awful. It was atrocious, and so they need Damian Lillard to come back as soon as possible because they can't just keep digging themselves a hole and staying even, Steven, and being like, no, 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 well. We're going to figure it out. We're going to come together. We're going to figure it out and get back to 500. And then who knows what will happen from there. No, you just keep digging yourself a bigger hole right now. They're probably going to lose tonight to Milwaukee and be 5-11. and 11. You need Damian Lillard to come back as soon as possible because he has to put on that cape to bring this team to hopefully back to playoff hopes. Finally, timing works out for the Portland Trail Blazers. Yeah. Like, this is the best game for all of this stuff to happen because <laughs> no they kidding. were going to lose to the Bucks anyway. Yeah, it didn't yeah. matter. True. So, sit everybody. Uh, call up as many G League guys as you can. Yeah. If you've got roster spots, use them. Yeah. Let all those guys play because it really wasn't going to matter anyway. You were going to lose this game to the Milwaukee Bucks anyway just based on the, the performance we saw against New Orleans that you mentioned, Nate. I mean, that was just garbage. And uh, anytime you hear Damian Lillard injured, it raises a brow because yeah. he doesn't miss a lot of games, and no. now he's going on back-to-back -back games, uh, missing time. So, uh, we it, months ago, I uh, w when we talked about this, or at least weeks ago, man, that was one of my biggest concerns. Is I'm like, man, Dame is putting up big minutes yeah. early on in this season. Like, this is going to come back to haunt the Blazers, and here we are. To your point, they're not winning very many games without Damian Lillard no. in the lineup. No, and I don't know. I haven't checked after last night's game, 
But even with Dame missing the game against the Pelicans, he was still second in the <laughs> NBA in total minutes. And, of course, number one was C.J. McCollum because he had the extra game over Dame. So you're right. We we brought up as a concern earlier in the season the number of minutes he was logging. And who knows if that's played a role in this injury. You can't know for sure. Sure. But it, I don't think it's totally a coincidence that he gets hurt after logging, you know, 39 minutes a game. And they're uh, playing all close games yeah. as well. I mean, Stressful you, minutes. Yeah. yeah. I also, I mean, just because Damian Lillard says he hopes to play Saturday doesn't mean that he's going to. Back yeah. spasms are notoriously tricky injuries to deal with, and let's hope he's back by Saturday and, and is okay, but you never know with back spasms, and I agree with you guys 100%. Without Damian Lillard, this is a top-of-the-lottery team. Yeah, we're starting to hit a, a dark place. Yeah, we are. 15 games in where it, uh, reality is starting to sink in with this team where we're going from, okay, this could happen to it's time to hit the panic button. Yeah. Second worst record in the West. Well, but, yes. Mm-hmm. I don't think so anymore. I think San Antonio passed them. Oh, first, or tied worst. them. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe not, tied not, them. not a good spot for no, them to no, be. No, five and 10 on the year right now. Okay. So we do have uh, plenty of questions to get to. Um, your questions, our questions. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. You guys know the drill. There's three questions, there's three answers, there's three of us. You can catch those on KGW.com. So let's dive right into it and talk about the Carmelo Anthony sweepstakes and the Blazers winning it yeah. and getting him on the team. <laughs> Finally, we got him. <laughs> it, only took, it only took a couple of years. Yeah. And now <laughs> yeah. the Blazers have Carmelo Anthony. So question number one, what did you think of Carmelo Anthony's debut with the Portland Trail Blazers? Well, I'll I'll take the lead on this one. I mean, it's really difficult to evaluate just because of the fact that, as we talked about, they didn't have Damian Lillard. And mm-hmm. Carmelo Anthony's job on this roster is going to be to relieve pressure off Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum and the offense. That's what they brought him in for because they the opponents were not respecting anyone else. The Blazers were throwing out there to make shots. And one thing that we know about Carmelo is he'll make shots. <laughs> and, you know, he was 4 of 14, which is kind of to be expected. Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit of rust, first time playing in a game in a year. But he did knock down two of three three-pointers. And I think he showed flashes of exactly why I explained the Blazers brought him in here. You know, he tried some post-up moves, and that's something Rodney Hood has developed in Terry Stotts' system. I'm sure it's something Carmelo will try to take advantage of in this system as well. And so I wasn't... Some people were really discouraged. The advanced stats were not good for the one game sample. His plus minus was the worst on the team. But I was actually kind of encouraged with what I saw just because at least I could see what the Blazers were trying to do with him and it made sense, which we haven't seen a ton of so far with the Blazers this year. I did something different with the way I watched that game. And it wasn't actually completely on purpose, but it worked out for me. I... I saw the result before I started watching the game. Yeah. And once I got, you know, I knew it was already in the third quarter and I hadn't started watching it. I decided that that's what I wanted to do because I didn't want to have the result of the game be on my mind as I was watching. I just wanted to watch Carmelo and see how he played. And so before the game, before I even sat down to watch the game, I already knew that the Blazers had lost. And it, and I had already seen Carmelo's stat line. And looking at that stat line, I was like, oh man, he was not good tonight. Yeah. Because, you know, ten for he missed 10 of 14 shots, five turnovers, five fouls. Like you said, he was a team worst, negative 20 and plus minus. His, yeah. his advanced stats were bad, too. 
So when I sat down to watch the game, I expected to see, you know, a very rusty player, a player not playing very good basketball. And I came out of it, I think, to me, he passed the eye test. It, it was a lot different. If you only looked at the box score, you didn't yeah. really get a feel for what Carmelo did in that game. To me, he still looks like he can play in the NBA. Yes. Um, like you said, he hit he hit two of three from the three-point line, and both of his, uh, all three of his three-pointers were catch and shoot. Yeah. You know, none of them were off the dribble or anything like that, and those are the kind of three-pointers that he needs to be taking and making for the Blazers. The two three-pointers that he hit were wide open, no defender within six feet. Um, I like that he attacked the rim. Yeah, he missed five of six shots in the restricted area and in the paint, but I think that's an anomaly. You know, his last full season in the league with the Thunder, he shot 56% at the rim and 45% in the paint, so he's going to be fine. I think that he got fouled on a lot of those, you know, post-ups and didn't get any calls, and I think that with Carmelo Anthony, that's going to change. And, you know, if he gets fouled on one or two of those, then it changes. And then I think that at the same time, sorry, I'm sorry. Um, the best version of Carmelo Anthony is that he needs to be connecting on open catch and shoot three pointers, and he needs to be scoring at the rim or getting to the free throw line. So there were times that I thought he looked lost. There were times he looked um, kind of out of place on offense and defense, and that's understandable. After the game, CJ McCollum said that he had only learned five plays before the game, and Portland has something like more than 100 plays and counters in their playbook. And so it's not just that Carmelo Anthony was not playing with the complete knowledge of the playbook, but with him out on the court, whenever he was on the court, the Blazers were also severely limited in what they could do on offense. Yeah, They only had five plays, really, that they could <laughs> use. So it's not a complete surprise that the team didn't perform well when he was on the court. So I came out of it cautiously optimistic that I do think he can help the Blazers and he can do the things the Blazers need of that position. And in my mind as good as Nasir Little has looked, and I think that he's a good rotation piece going forward, I still think that Carmelo Anthony is better than any power forward they have on the roster right now. Yeah, just based on uh, stats and the numbers that you guys are talking about, that's kind of what I expected from yeah. a guy that hasn't played in the NBA yeah. in over a year uh -huh. uh, to come in off the streets, essentially, and join a team without any practice time, without any... I mean, they didn't, he didn't even get a shoot-around nope. with the team. So he's just going in there cold and trying to ball out. Yep. And so for him to play 24 minutes and and to to do that, um, that's kind of what I expected. Uh, but the amount of playing time he got, the uh, the fact that he started, uh, all of those things, that's what surprised me was how yeah. quickly they're trying to implement him into what they're doing. And like you said, it's hard to take away a lot from it because Damian Lillard isn't yeah. on the floor with him. So things are going to look a little bit different. Um you know, he also led the team in five turnovers. He wasn't on the same page with the guys offensively or defensively. Like, I think people were joking around that you couldn't tell if the Blazers were playing man-to-man -man <laughs> so, or zone. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It, I, I thought know. they were playing zone. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, there was just a lot of those things that you're like, okay, this makes a whole lot of sense. Like, to Jared's point, if you just looked at the box score, you'd be like, man, that was a bad game. You like, would. this old old Melo is back. The bad side of Melo is back. Like, this is what you're going to expect. Yeah. But when you watch the games, you're like, oh, he probably, he may get that call when he's driving to the rack. He, he may finish that. Like, there were things that made me more optimistic yeah. um, than than the negative. So, I I like that, that there's a chance that there's an, a legitimate fit yes. for, for him uh, with this team. I'm completely on the same page with you. It was more of, you could tell 
he fills a need for the Blazers. Yeah. And so that's what I was encouraged by more than the performance itself because it's hard to agree. If he had gone out there and scored 18, 20 points, think of how crazy we'd be going. Right. This dude <laughs> hadn't played in a year and he just drops 20 in right. the NBA. No one wanted him. So we weren't expecting that type of thing. So you're looking for just something to look forward with with him, and it is the fit. It looked like he filled a legitimate need for the Blazers on the offensive end. So to me, that's a good sign going forward. And one thing I want to talk about, because we hit on it last week, Jared asked if we thought the Carmelo signing, or maybe it was Max who asked, if we thought the Melo signing would make the Blazers a better team. Mm-hmm. And we talked about, you know, just because he's playing well may not necessarily translate to wins. And while he didn't, I wouldn't say he played well mm-hmm. in that first game against New Orleans, I do think he had an impact but the result ended up being the same and another loss for the Blazers. And I think that could be something we continue to see moving forward. Cause while he does give them something they need, they have a lot of holes to fill and it's just not on mellow to, to stop this ship from sinking. I agree with that. I, one thing I also noticed is he does have a certain amount of gravity on the court. And yeah. I think that that's something that outside of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and last season, Yusuf Nurkic, they don't have any other player who does that that attracts the attention of the defense. Yeah. And that alone, I think, will make a big difference, especially for Damian Lillard when he comes back and CJ McCollum. So I, he looked like like Carmelo Anthony. Yes. You know, he looked like all the years that you've spent watching Carmelo Anthony, he, he looked like Melo. So that was fun to watch. And him being out there and the hype buildup leading to him being a part of the Blazers – uh, I think took away from the fact that they lost. Oh yeah, like I, yeah. I it, it was kind of an afterthought to me. But it also, lost. I think Dame's not Dame not playing in that game. I think took that pressure kind of off it. Once you learned Dame wasn't playing against the Pelicans, no one expected the Blazers to go win that game. If Dame was playing in that game, I think we may be a little more focused on what the outcome was. But he mm-hmm. wasn't, so we're like, well, the Blazers are undermanned without their best player. They're not going to win this game, and sure enough, they didn't. Man, call me a fool, but I thought even without Dame, they would still win that game. Oh, you are, but, you're you're definitely a fool, then, yeah, my friend. I, I, yes, I really, th- I really thought that. I didn't. I, yeah. I, maybe I underestimated New Orleans, um, but just thinking about Carmelo on the court and everything that came along with it, the storylines, and uh, just waiting to hear him talk after the game, like I didn't. Yeah. I it was such an afterthought that they lost that game. Yeah. When me. I checked the box score. You know, before I started watching the game, I, I wasn't surprised at all that it was a loss. And I don't know if that's because, you know, there was no Damian Lillard, so that just makes sense. Or is, are we becoming numb now to Blazers' losses? I don't know if it's becoming, if we're becoming numb or we've just grown to accept what this team is right now. And they're just not a very good team right now. Yeah, yeah I don't know which one is better, but yeah. <laughs> they're both a bad yeah, place to be <laughs> exactly. in, man. All right, question number two. What's the most important thing the Blazers need to do in order to start winning some games? Jared, take us away on this one here. You mean other than get healthy? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's man. one thing. I mean, this team would be completely different if Damian Lillard you know, I mean, I think he'll be back, but yeah. you throw Yusuf Nurkic, Zach Collins out there, I, I think this team's completely different. Um, but I'm going to focus on their defense. I, yeah. And and the reason I'm focusing on the defense cause, is because I do think the offense is going to get better. I'm not as worried about that as I don't know if the defense can get better. But if they want to win games, I do think the defense matters. They have to, they have to get it to where they rank 22nd in the NBA right now. They've got to get it to where they're at least around league average. And... In order to do that, I think I talked about this in a podcast a few weeks ago, they have to start rebounding that ball. I mean, they are a terrible, terrible rebounding team right now. And that's 
that's odd with a Portland Trailblazers team. They were yeah. one of the best rebounding teams in the NBA last season. And generally, under Stotts, they have been one of the best rebounding teams in the NBA. Right now, their defensive rebound percentage ranks 27th in the NBA. Last season, defensive rebounding, they were 8th. They still defend well initially. And I said this the last time I talked about rebounding. They rank 11th in opponent effective field goal percentage, but then they give up all these offensive rebounds and they're allowing 16.3 second chance oh, points man, per that's game. That's killer. That's last in the league. Yeah. You know, they're the worst in the league at that. So I went to find last season, the Blazers defensive rebounding percentage was 74% and it ranked eighth in the league. So I went and found a team this season that is matching that percentage to see what they're doing. Happens to be the Lakers. I'm sorry that it's, you know, <laughs> the Blazers most hated uh, rival, but they're matching that exact percentage. They're only giving up 11 second chance points per game, 4.9 fewer than Portland. If Portland was giving up 4.9 fewer points, they'd only be giving up 110.4 points per game. That would rank right around the middle of the league. And if that was the case, their point differential, factoring in no offensive improvement whatsoever, would be plus 1.5. That projects to a 54.9% winning percentage which would put the Blazers' record at 8-7. and seven. Yeah, That looks a lot better than 5-10. and 10. Yeah. So, start. I don't know what they need to do to be a good defensive rebounding team. I don't know if maybe they just don't have the personnel to do it. But I still think that they can improve in that area, and more defensive rebounds, in my mind, equals more wins. Yeah. Last week, I'm on kind of the same page as Jared, focusing on the defense. And last week, I focused on the fourth quarter and how terrible the Blazers have been defensively their last in defensive rating by a long shot. Opponent field goal percentage was over 50% in the fourth quarter. This week, I didn't want to hit on that same exact point again because I still <laughs> think it is the thing they need to do to start winning games. So I looked at, well, who are they playing at the end of the game? And in the fourth quarter this year, the most utilized lineup this year, not surprisingly, I think anyone who's watched them has noticed it, has been Hassan Whiteside, Rodney Hood, Kent Bazemore, CJ McCollum, and Damian Lillard. Those guys have gotten the most minutes together of any group in the fourth quarter. So, let's take a look at some of the advanced stats on this group. The offensive rating for those that lineup in the fourth quarter is 65.6, which, yeah, not good, terrible, awful. Orlando, you're, you're trying not to laugh right now. Defen <laughs> you're going to get a good one with this defensive rating, too. You want to know the defensive rating I for this group? Wait. I can't wait. 165.6. Oh, that is oh a gosh. negative 100 net rating for that group of five players at the end of games. <laughs> that You cannot win. See, Jared's laughing right now. <laughs> you cannot win games when you have a lineup that's that dysfunctional together at the end of games. Now, on the bright side for Blazers fans, in their most recent close game, which was San Antonio... Terry Stotts went with Nasir Little instead of Kent Bazemore to finish out the game. And that group had a lot more success in the very small sample size. They were plus 69 net rating. Uh, they were better defensive rebounding, less turnovers. Opponent field goal percentage was much better. So to me, that's where Terry Stotts and the Blazers need to figure out how to close games. Is They need to figure out the rotation, the lineups that they want out there to close games that's going to be effective together because we talked about, Jared talked about they've been in all these close games and if you know they didn't give up as many second chance points, then maybe a few of these close games, a few of these close losses turn out to be wins. Well, if you can find just the right combination of players to throw out there at the end of the game as well, maybe a few of those losses turn into wins and the group of Whiteside, Bates, Moore, Hood, McCollum, and Lillard just has not been getting it done in the fourth quarter for Portland. 
I can't believe how bad that that lineup is because you you'd think that would be probably their best closing lineup. Yeah. But to be that ineffective in the fourth quarter, that's I, unbelievable. I, I didn't go looking to nail this group of five. Yeah. I was just curious as to how they were finishing, and then when I saw it, of course, it hit you like a brick wall. Well, You're you just probably like, how thought is that, that was a mistake. Oh, I absolutely did. <laughs> I refreshed it. I did run it multiple times <laughs> on stats, and sure enough, that was the that was the net rating minus one hundred on the dot. So they got to figure out a better five to finish out games. Man, Jared, uh, thinking about offensive rebounds mm-hmm. is just such a backbreaker. They're so deflating, especially when they happen in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like it, especially playing from behind, not only does it give them another opportunity to score more points, but it's taking time off the clock. Yeah. And there have been moments this season where those rebounds have just giving you that feeling like this game is over when there's still a lot of time left on the clock just because you're getting beat. And a lot of times it's just effort. Yeah. And when you said Nasir Little being out there changed things, at least for one game, what does that guy do best? You know, it's the hustle plays. It's the energy. Um, it's those type of plays that the Blazers need out there. Um, and for me, when I think about this, there were so many options to choose from. <laughs> there like, was a lot. Like, it was like, where do you want to go? Yeah. Like, how can they get better? It's like every page, offense, defense, like whatever. We can we can talk about that. And and um, when you look at the numbers defensively, I'm like, yeah. I mean, they're they're terrible. Yeah. Um, like, there's number one. But for me, because of what you said, um, you know how you believe that the offense is going to catch up. It's going to get better. Like, that's my concern is when is that going yeah, to happen? Yeah. Because that offense was so good last year that it was able to mask um, where the defense was last year. And the defense was respectable yeah, last year. Yeah, they were average last yeah, year. They were, yeah. But the offense was so good yeah. that it made up for that. Top three. Yeah. Yep. So that's kind of what I'm waiting for. And the way that I was looking at it was more from your perspective, Nate, in the fact that, like, these guys still aren't comfortable together. Like, yeah. Like, they don't – there's no cohesion no. out there. Like, it's funky. Like – you have people that are calling out Terry Stotts because of what they're seeing out there uh, on the court, um, especially in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Because in the fourth quarter with the games being tight, it's under a microscope. And it's just there's something missing there mm-hmm. that uh, is not allowing for a smooth game from them and, and bad possessions offensively. Uh, and they're not getting good shots either. So it's for me, it's the offense. I'm waiting for that to show up. And I think that that might be enough to at least win games that were close or against bad teams that they're losing to right now. I think it'll be interesting to see when Damian Lillard does come back and is healthy. If he he was in a slump, you know, for those three games before he when he was hurt, and that coincided with CJ McCollum breaking out of his slump. Yeah. And so we really haven't seen both of those guys. No. It seems to be time. the story of them, though, together. Like In their career? Does, yeah, it doesn't seem like oftentimes we're talking about both of them Going hitting off. on the cylinder together. Usually it's one or the other. Yeah, I'd agree with that, that they're both usually not like really hot at the same time. Yeah. But I think that having you know CJ start the season as poorly as yeah. he did, I think, has it, I think that's been the biggest impact on their offense not working mm-hmm. so you know as well this season. And so I'd be interested to see if CJ can kind of keep it up and Dame can play it at Dame's normal level and not even the MVP level he was playing at before, how much that improves their offense. And we knew there was going to be growing pains with so many new guys on the team. That was expected, but the, the, 
the amount of injuries and guys just being banged up because like big picture, there's so many people that are like, I can't believe that Zach Collins meant that much to this team. Like, yeah, not having Zach Collins is a big deal, but guys have taken turn being injured or, or banged yeah. up. So like it's one game. Oh, this guy's on the injury yeah. report. Oh, this guy's not yeah. playing or this guy's doubtful or questionable. So it's just been a combination of so many things on top of the fact that it's a bunch of new guys getting together and trying to figure out where they belong and fit into this team. And it's just been a hot mess so far. It's just exasperated that yes. problem for them. Uh, Magnified because, it. Because like you said, at least Zach Collins was a player who had been here before, mm-hmm. fit in the rotation. You knew what you were going to get from Zach Collins and he knew the Blazer system. He knew what was expected out of mm-hmm. them. These other guys are still trying to figure out what's expected out of them. Meanwhile, they can't play with the same other four guys mm-hmm. on the court on a regular basis because of injuries, uh, underperforming players, whatever it may be. And so it's just made the problem that much worse for Portland. Agreed. All right, guys, on to question number three. The Blazers wrap up their six-game road trip, three more games between today and Monday. They play at the Milwaukee Bucks, who are 11-3 and three tonight. Cleveland Cavaliers, who are 4-10 and 10 on Saturday, and the Bulls, who are 5-10 and 10 on Monday. Which games do the Blazers win, and which do they lose? Well, let's catch up to our season prediction record for the year here <laughs> so far. We're, we're all doing better than the Blazers, guys, yeah, so yeah. feel good about that. Uh, Orlando, you gained a game on me last week, so now we're tied at the top, 9-6 and six in picking games so far this year. Jared, you also gained a game, and now you're just one back of me in Orlando at 8-7, and seven, above 500. Like I said last week, where the Blazers would love to be at this point. It's a tight race. It is. So it, it always seems like it comes down to the last week, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, somehow, some way. So let's get into this week. We already, I mean, we basically said at the beginning of the podcast, the Blazers aren't winning tonight against the Bucks. Um, so now the Cavs and Bulls and these are games, especially if Damian Lillard plays, these are games the Blazers should win. The Bulls and Cavs are not good. But Portland has dropped these type of games quite a bit on that the road true. to start <laughs> this true. year. Yeah. And so my gut tells me they're not going to win both of these games. So now I was left to pick which one do I think they're going to lose. And I'm going to say the Bulls beat the Blazers at the end of the road trip. Uh, I can't tell you anything other than I just have a gut feeling the Blazers are not going to win both of them. And I like the Bulls' chances of beating Portland better than Cleveland's chances. So the Blazers beat Cleveland but lose to Milwaukee and Chicago. I can't disagree with you. I mean, I think that that's certainly a logical pick. I did pick them to beat the Cavaliers and the Bulls to close out the road trip, mainly because not only are these two teams bad, but they're both bad at home. Yeah. You know, the Cavs are two and four at home. The Bulls are three and five at home. The Cavs are being outscored by six and a half points per 100 possessions at home. The Bulls by three and a half points per 100. Neither of these teams are even, you know, those kind of young teams that play a little bit better at home. They're just all the way around bad. And they're Eastern Conference bad. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a different kind of yeah, bad. It is a different kind of bad. <laughs> so I'm going to pick the Blazers as much as I have no idea what this team is or what they're going to do. I'm going to pick them to win both of those games. If that happens, at the end of this brutal 18-game stretch that we've referenced many times on this podcast, 13 of their first 18 games on the road, they'll be 7-11. and 11. That's not where any of us would have expected them to be. But I also thought, after these first, teen, first 18 games, I thought they were going to be around 500 because of how tough the schedule was. They have 12 of their next 16 at home after that. So if there's a time in this season that they're going to right the ship and get back on track and get back towards 500, 
it's now. Mm-hmm. And so they need to start off by beating these two very bad teams at the end of this road trip so they can go into that stretch of home games with some momentum. Not to rain on your parade, but the Blazers have not been very good no, at they home haven't. this year either. It hasn't been the same as last year. Go ahead, Orlando. I really like that, Jared, uh, that these two games start the kind of must-win mode for the early season. And this stretch of games, uh, especially when they get a chance to get home and play a lot of those games at the Moda Center, uh, will determine their season. Totally. Like it, We're at yeah. that point already. Yeah. We're, we're either at the end of this uh, homestand, we're talking – uh, lottery, or we're saying, hey, you know what? They can make a push at, in the playoffs. Like it's going to be that type of discussion, I think. Uh, I'm with Jared on this one. I've, I've also oh. got them got them winning those two games. I did write a disclaimer right out of the gate. I'm like, if if Damian Lillard isn't playing, like they could lose all three. If Damian if Damian Lillard does not play, they will lose. Not could they <laughs> will lose all three. And, and Damian Lillard yeah, doesn't play, and I'm fine with that. And and uh, even the the Pelicans game that came as a surprise to us when we made yeah, our picks yeah. that Damian Lillard wasn't going to be playing. So uh, he means that much to the team. Um, he's that big of a player that uh, he will decide games for them, even against uh, bad teams. So two and one on the week for the Blazers. Don't let me down like you guys did last <laughs> week. Dame, you're getting a pass uh, because uh, you've been carrying this team all season. Well, I'm tired of our questions, aren't you guys? We got yeah, it too. I, I hear we have a few listener questions. Let's send it over to Max. You've got mail. <laughs> We do have some mail, guys. All right. <laughs> Let's get into it. Thanks again to everyone who submitted a question. First one's from Stephanie. She wants to know, with Portland waving Pau Gasol and the defensive struggles this season, who would be a good potential candidate or candidates that the Blazers should consider to fill that roster spot? I don't think the Blazers are going to make a move before December 15th. I know there's been some chatter out on social media about Joe Kim Noah, but I get the impression that there's something there that, not make that happen in Portland. Yeah. Um, There just aren't any free agents out there that could actually help this team right now. But on December 15th, all players who signed in the offseason become eligible to be traded. So I think I'd be very surprised if at that point the Blazers are not very active in in the trade market between then and the uh, February 7th trade deadline. I don't have any idea who they're going to pursue because we don't know what teams will be wanting to trade players, what players will be on the trade block. But because you asked Stephanie, I wanted to go through and find a list of players who are on teams that are not good right now that might be sellers at the deadline that kind of fit needs for Portland. And not all of these are going to be, you know, defensive improvements like Stephanie asked for, but I think they're all players who would help the Blazers get better. You've got your stars that we've all talked about. Danilo Gallinari with the Thunder Pistons, Blake Griffin, the Cavaliers, Kevin Love, LaMarcus Aldridge of the Spurs, and Draymond Green with the Warriors. But there are also some role, also some role players out there who I think could help the Blazers who are on teams that, that might be looking to trade at the deadline. With the Grizzlies, you have both Jay Crowder and Andre Godala. With the Cavaliers, you also have Tristan Thompson, you know, the center for the Cavs. Uh, with the Bulls, a guy the Blazers have pursued in the past, Otto Porter. You also have Thaddeus Young, and I don't know if, I don't think they do this, but I, I don't know. Maybe they'd make Laurie Markkinen available. The Knicks have a plethora of power forwards. Yes, they do. So, and they're bad, so maybe Marcus Morris, Bobby Portis, Taj, Gibbs, Taj Gibson, the Hawks, Jabari Parker, and then with the Wizards, Davis Bertans and Moritz Wagner. Any of those players, I think, could add depth and, and help the Blazers get better. So what I'm trying to illustrate is just there are a lot of players out there that the Blazers can pursue, and I'd be very surprised if they don't make a 
a deal by the deadline and probably sooner. It, it's so hard to do anything right now. Yeah, and completely. is it like really worth it to bring yeah. in another player off the street? <laughs> no. Like you're already doing that with Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really good question, and I, I know a lot of Blazers fans are feeling that way because of where expectations were at the beginning of the year, and it's like, we've got to do something. We've got to turn this around. There's still so much time, but to Jared's point, the Blazers are likely to strike in December. Yeah. You're, it it makes sense to be seeking an answer to not having Pau Gasol and needing so long. We talked about their defensive liabilities earlier in the podcast, but I'm totally on the same page with you guys. Mm-hmm. All right, next question is from Drummer Boy. When will the upper management be replaced? (laughs) Getting rid of most of the team that made it to round two of the playoffs was a very bad business move. Actually, it was the conference finals. Mm. Uh, Experience should count for something, and the team got a lot of that last year. Management needs to be replaced. Well, it wasn't as easy as let's just bring everyone back from last year's team because the Blazers in no way, shape, or form could have done that just Mm -hmm. in terms of their restrictions in the offseason. Uh, when will so the original question was when will upper management be let go pretty much fired? Yes. Uh, not anytime soon because they were just all given extensions relatively recently. And yes, this could end up being a very bad year for the Blazers. There's no denying this season could is going south and could continue to go south. But this franchise is not in a terrible spot overall. If they get all their assets healthy and ready to go. Next year's team will not be like the team we're seeing this year. What if this year is the Blazers' version of the Spurs' tank seasons? Yeah, when they got you would take David that. Robinson and Tim Duncan. <laughs> yeah, you would take that absolutely. <laughs> where where do you sign? Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> I I think the question about whether they should have got rid of that experience that they had and interrupted their continuity is a valid question. Um, I don't know what the right answer is. I don't but, think we can see what the if they had brought all those players back, they'd probably probably be better right now. But would they be better in the long term? Yeah. I think the jury's still out on that one. And don't, I mean, go ahead. I, I was going to ask you guys also on that on that same line of thinking was, don't you think that that was the peak, like that was the ceiling yeah, for I feel that like team? It was yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. And think like we're saying in hindsight, like yeah, maybe it'd be great to have that chemistry back because mm-hmm. be everything games. everything has gone so bad for the Blazers mm-hmm. start the season. But think where we were. Five, six months ago, mm-hmm. we were thinking, well, this is the best this yes. team is ever going to get. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. there's they got to make changes in order to get better. Right. And you so to, they made changes gamble. to try. Yeah, exactly. They made changes to try to get better. And so far, it's backfired on them. But I don't think you can blame them for seeing that team has reached its peak, its ceiling, and we got to take some chances in, in order to make the next step. Contrarian wants to know. Why can't they switch on defense? <laughs> Why is Stotts letting them play isolation ball instead of running some kind of offense? So a two-part question there. Uh, I'll take the defense one first. Um, they don't switch on defense because they don't have the right defensive personnel to switch effectively. To have a defensive philosophy where you switch on pick and rolls, you have to have interchangeable defenders or else you're going to be switched into a disadvantage. And teams that have done that effectively in the past are are teams that have long, rangy, good defenders at every position. You think about the Warriors, uh, the, the Rockets at times. But I think a bigger problem this season hasn't been that they're not switching on defense, but you don't see the Blazers fighting through screens as effectively as they did last season. So, I, I mean, they're not going to switch on defense because they don't have the right players to switch on defense, but they do need to be trying to power through those screens a little bit 
better than they have been. What about the offense? The offense, I mean, I could be completely wrong, but it seems like they've always run quite a bit of ISO with Damian Lillard and CJ. Am I wrong on that, Jared, or am I right? It seems to me that that's kind of been the way they've always done, and so far this year, because they're not winning games and the offense isn't an elite offense like what we've seen in the past, we're now pointing it out, oh, they just run a ton of isolation. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you you kind of die on the sword you live on, you know? Mm This year it hasn't been panning out, but it has in the past, and no one complained then. Yeah, they're running more this year than than they were last season, but but you do. I mean, you have you have two of the best ISO players in the game, and Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. So it kind of makes sense that that's part of their game. All right, next question from Marvin Iverson: When will the Blazers trade Whiteside? I can't wait until the deadline. He's so hard to watch. <laughs> Ouch! Uh, he, he, I think. He speaks a lot of truth, actually, in that question. And we don't come on here and hammer players, but Max and I were talking about this right before the podcast. And kind of the conclusion of it was, the sooner they can trade Whiteside, the better for Portland. And so I'm right on the same page, and I think front office could be too. I think they've seen exactly what Miami complained about all those years. Yes, I think about the New Orleans game. He was terrible against the Pelicans, but he scored 14 and he had a 14 and 14 game, 14 points, 14 rebounds. You look at the box score, I think he was great, but he was not impactful. And so I think the front office is starting to discover that, and I think he will be the first player they move. The soonest they'll be able to trade him is when other teams make players available yeah. to trade. And if that's in December, then I think that's when it will happen. What? How do you think this year will have affected or impacted Whiteside's value oh. to trade him it, it would it's been detrimental no doubt but he is an expiring contract so there is value in getting money off the books for a team who's looking to do that and so it's going to be a team who's not really looking to compete this year it's going to be a bad team but there is value in an expiring contract and when the blazers traded for him he didn't have good trade value i mean yeah. the heat had they they had to give away a first round pick to to trade him and think of what the Blazers, you know, gave up in that deal. Mo Harkless went to the Clippers and Myers Leonard went to the Heat, two players who fit the fan base had been clamoring to get rid of for years. So it wasn't like they gave up a ton to get bring him in. I only asked that as a uh, from an expectation standpoint. Oh, in terms of, of what yeah. they bring yeah, back. Yeah, what yeah. are you going to get They're, back you're, for? You're not going to get like Yusuf Nurkic's replacement back in a deal, but you will have him not on the roster anymore. He would be a salary match and the way you'd make a a good trade out of that is by including other valuable assets like future draft picks, or some of the Blazers' young talent. But Hassan Whiteside on his own isn't bringing back much of anything. Blazers' young talent? Yes. <laughs> I just saw Nate get a little nervous there. Uh, they're not They're not separating <laughs> with Anthony Simons just to get rid of Hassan Whiteside. That's not what Jared was saying, people. So pump yeah. the brakes on that idea. That's not what Jared was saying. All right, guys, last question from Matthew, our buddy Matthew, a.k.a. the Reverend Romulus. What's more likely this year? The Blazers missing the playoffs or Nate winning the Rip It Championship? <laughs> yes. Oh, Matthew. So I actually took this as quite a compliment because to me, the legend. Blazers' chances of missing the playoffs are pretty high. Yeah, pretty so the right stacks now. are up against me right now. Like, And there's still a possibility that my chances of winning Rip It are going to be higher than that. <laughs> and the answer still is yes. I'm more likely to win Rip It than the Blazers to miss the playoffs. Both equally likely to happen. That's my favorite listener question so it's, far. It was a great question. It made me laugh out loud as soon as I read it last night. Uh, Please uh, 
continue <laughs> to bring in your questions because you're you're knocking them out of the park. My answer to that question is uh, I don't want either of them to happen. Oh, <laughs> ouch. Well, my friends, I'm the only one so far with a rip at title. I'm, I'm a lot closer to accomplishing my goal than the Blazers are to accomplishing their goal this that is season. True. Uh, appreciate everybody who uh, gave us questions and comments. Uh, I think it adds another fun element to the podcast. You guys have made us better. Thank you for doing that. Continue to do it. Uh, we appreciate the uh, feedback and participation so far. And don't forget, I mean, we'll put out feelers on Twitter uh, asking for questions, but we also have an email that you can send questions to three on three blazers at gmail.com. Guys. And, and now. We are back. Welcome to another week of Rip It. Guys, there's no denying it's been a rough start to the Rip It season in addition to the NBA season. Yes. Well, I mean, speak for yourself. I think it's gone pretty well so far. Well, Nate is the only one to win a Rip It title. But last week, he laid an absolute goose egg. (laughs) I didn't lose, though. 0 for 5. (laughs) No harm, no foul. But Jared and Orlando tied. Yep. No harm, no foul. Let's find out if we can crown a new champion. These are dark days, man. It is, yeah, it is rough week. getting no credit for those ties. It is. Yeah, it well, is. You know, this isn't soccer, Jared. I, mean, I don't. I don't make the rules. <laughs> this is a basketball podcast. Max makes the rules, but you this know. is a basketball. I'm just going to say it hurts. All right, let's let's recap last week. Let's see how you did. We're going back to the Spurs game. Question here: Who will score the most points? Demar Derozan, C.J. McCollum, or Lamarcus Aldridge? Jared and Orlando picked Derozan. Oh, that's not good. Nate, you went with Lamarcus. Ooh. Demar Derozan, sixteen points. Bad game for him. That's yeah. not good. Aldridge scored thirty. Mm, Jeez. CJ had, had thirty-two. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I would say CJ had that huge yeah. first quarter, yeah, the first half against the Spurs. Oh, none of us picked CJ. None of us picked. We all CJ. said we didn't believe in him. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, he made us pay. Yeah. yeah. Nobody Sorry, on the CJ. board. Next question, Blazers at Rockets. Which team will shoot a better field goal percentage? All three of you said Houston. Wasn't even close. It was Houston. Yeah. 47% to 41 for the Blazers. Man, Houston is on a real, playing at a really high yeah. level right now. I told Jared, I think if the Blazers, as currently constructed, played Houston 10 times in a row, Houston would win all 10 against Portland. Like It's a really bad matchup right now for the Blazers, but they're, they're at a really high level. Very, very good team. Next question from the same game. Over under 36 and a half points for James Harden. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Jared and Orlando. Oh, Jared and Nate, rather, said over. Oh, no. Orlando, you went under. And that half a point. Oh, my oh, gosh. Man. What a Gets line. Orlando the point. Unbelievable. Jeez. 36 for Harden. Under 36 and a That's half. That's right. Good pick oh, for Orlando. That's right. Gosh, he knew what? it all along. What a rip it. Line right there. That's Nate. Man, nailed it, Max. Harden is such a jerk. (laughs) 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 There seems like there's more to this. There's a background here that just he screwed you on this ribbit question. That hit deep, man. Yeah, where where, where is this coming from? Oh, man, that's just a straw. Uh, Orlando takes the lead by a half point. So let's move to the Pelicans game. The question for this one, who will finish with the most assists? 
Damian Lillard, Drew Holiday, or Lonzo Ball. Yeah. Jared went with Lonzo. They didn't, they didn't even play. DNP abductor. Orlando and Nate went with Dame. Oh, no. DNP no. back spasms. Yeah. We're pushing. Yeah. We're pushing I, that one because Drew Holiday, he had 10 dimes. Yeah. Oh. We should have known better because Drew Holiday owns the Blazers. That is true. We should have known better than that. I hate when we go like a yeah. week later, these things. I'm just like, what was I even thinking yeah. at the time? It seems so obvious I should have chosen That's the that. beauty of Rip It, man. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's frustrating. It's harder than ever. I don't think yeah. I've gotten one right this week. I, oh, no. We got the Rockets yeah. field goal percentage. Yes. All right. The wild card question. This was all about Anthony oh. Simons. Uh-oh. Over, oh. under, six total three-pointers made in those three games for Simons. Oh, all three of you went over six. I'm not feeling And Nate that. asked, is this even a real question? <laughs> <laughs> he was a duh over. Duh. <laughs> In the Pelicans game, Simons went three for five from Oh, three. he's halfway there right there. Halfway there. In the Rockets game, he was one for five. Four. No. So we're still... We're still in back the in that Spurs game, he oh, was eight. one for four. Oh, oh no, man. a total five. of five. Nobody gets it, and that means no! we oh, have a new man, Orlando. Rip it, champion oh, Orlando no. Sanchez is on the board. Thank you, thank you. Congrats to Orlando. Any speech? You know, it was tough. Those those dark <laughs> days. I just thought to myself, "Don't give up. Things yeah. are going to get better." Rip City. So this one was for you. The sun came out for Orlando. The sun came out. All right. If only it can come out for the Blazers. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if I can do it, you guys can do it. Take a start. <laughs> Motivation. That's the best demotivational poster ever yeah. right there. <laughs> All right. You guys ready to get to this week's yeah. Rip It? Yeah, man. Yep. Here we go. Blazers at Bucks. Over under 12 points for Carmelo Anthony in the game. Jared, what do you think? Over. Over 12. Orlando? I'm going over. Over, Nate? Yeah, so, someone has to score <laughs> right. for Portland, yeah, right? Yeah. Someone's going to exactly. be taking shots, and it's going to be Melo taking them. I'm going over as well. Okay. Same game. Over under 103.5 points for the Blazers. Oh, man. Oh, this is a toughie. I mean, did this score against the Pelicans? 104? Yes. 104. I'm going to go under. You're going under 103.5. Orlando? There's going to be so much garbage time to get that oh, to I get know. there. Oh, let's let's go over. I, right, I gotta go. I gotta go with my rip it champion brethren <laughs> and leave Jared the loser all alone on his island. <laughs> that I'm is going sad, with Orlando. That's, over. That's such a good question. That, that was that was harsh. Nate. Jared, yeah. you went on, you went under. <laughs> Jared the loser. <laughs> Man, wow. You're a rock. You're an island. <laughs> okay. Jeez. <laughs> Who are you going to hate more after this podcast? Yeah. James Harden or Nate Hansen? <laughs> oh, this is easy one right there. I should have used that for a rip it question. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Blazers at Cavs. You notice I didn't answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a tough question. <laughs> uh, who's going to get the most rebounds in this game? Kevin Love, Hassan Whiteside, or Tristan Thompson? Mm. Oh, my gosh. That's a really tough Start question. us off, Nate. Well, Hassan, I mean, there's now questions as to if he'll even play because yeah. there's questions if he'll play tonight. I'm going to go with Tristan Thompson. Cleveland. All right. Orlando? I'm going to roll the dice and assume that he does play, and I'll take Whiteside. Jared? Kevin Love is going to be auditioning for the Blazers, yeah. and I'm going to go for <laughs> Kevin Love. Honestly, back when, Love it. Back Love when it. we were making our picks, you the gave only, us some meat on that one. The <laughs> only reason I, when I was trying to think of 
how could the Cavs possibly beat the Blazers? That was my one thought, is Kevin Love is going to be auditioning for Portland, and he's just going to have a massive game, and they're going to beat the Blazers. That was literally the only thing I could think of as to how Cleveland can beat Portland. Kevin Love has an audience of one right now, and his name is Neil O'Shea. <laughs> oh, Ow. man, this is so good. It could happen. How did we not lead with that? All right, Blazers at Bulls. Who's going to score the most points? Rodney Hood? Wendell Carter Jr. or Anthony Simons? Oh, this is this is once uh, duh Anthony Simons. <laughs> wow. Come on now, come on now. All right, I, th- I have a feeling Nate's going to pick Simons whenever he appears <laughs> yeah. in a question. That jersey oh, still yeah. hasn't come in the mail yet. Oh, I can't I'm wait waiting on that. It's going to be a good day here on it the pod. It is going to be good. What do you think, Jared? Hood, Carter Jr. or Simons? I'm going to go with my fantasy roster and Wendell Carter Jr. Oh, okay. Jerry's choosing fantasy over the Blazers. Now we know where <laughs> he's really lost confidence. <laughs> he's numb, dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's... <laughs> I'll 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 be the the odd man out. I'll, I'll add. We'll each have a different answer on this. One. I'll take Rodney Hood. Okay. I, mean, I like it's not it. a bad answer. Yeah. At no. All. Yeah. No, not at all. All right. The wild card question of the week. It's about the Bulls game. All right. And the question is, how many Blazers will score in double figures against the Bulls? Mm. Oh my gosh! I'll give you a couple seconds here to collect your thoughts. Oh, I'm not even gonna think about it. Four. All right, fire it off. Four. four. Okay. Jared, what do you think? Four is what is on my mind too. So I'm gonna go with my what I was thinking. Four. four can, eight. can I ask you guys what four players you were thinking of? Nope, just threw out a number. Okay, Jared, you, can ask you me, yeah, sure. you, I can see you counting on your fingers because I wrote them down and I came up with four as well. But I don't want to pick four now. I went Dame, CJ, Mello, and Ant. That was the four I wrote down. Two. I don't want to say five because I think the Bulls are going to win. five more likely than three? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'd, five is more likely than, than three. three. Ooh. What's it going to be, Nate? Uh, uh, three. Yeah. We're going <laughs> three. Right. We're going ugly. The Bulls win an ugly game. Oh, man. And it's not going to be Simons who lets us down because he's scoring points in that game. <laughs> Just remember next week, folks, Nate had the chance to go with five. And then... Oh, I didn't even think of, can I change? I didn't even think of white side. Oh, no. Uh, no, I'm sticking with three. All right. Stick with your answer. Yeah. All right. Tell tell the people where they can find you guys on Twitter. You can find me at Jared Cowley. At Enhance underscore KGW. <laughs> Orlando KGW. Uh, and you can find me at Max N Bar. Jared, um, where can people review and rate us? Well, we'd love it if you would subscribe to 3 on 3 Blazers on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, you'll find it there. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment. It only takes a second and rate the podcast. We want all of your five-star reviews. If you want to write a review and tell us what you think, we would love to hear from you. And if you have friends or family who love the Blazers, spread the word. Tell them there's a great podcast called 3 on 3 Blazers and tell them to look it up. As usual, we appreciate y'all joining us right here for the podcast, asking questions. Uh, We look forward to hearing from you guys next week. Appreciate you guys battling through the construction in this building as well. (laughs) Thank you so much. We'll be better than ever next week. See ya.